Assalam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your sister and friend Adar, and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. <laughs> Can you hear the excitement in my voice? I have missed every single one of you. I think we have a codependent relationship. I don't know. Is it healthy? Is it not? I personally like. Um, obsessive relationships, and I'm obsessed with every single one of you. Now, the last few months, I have been traveling. I have been catching planes and not feelings and seeing so many of you, which hasn't felt, that's why it's kind of made it easy for me to be a little bit away because I feel like I've still been seeing you guys, but still nothing beats telling you a good story. So let me just go ahead and tell you the story, okay? Bismillah. So let's go all the way back. All the way when my grandmother, Allah Yirhamah, was alive. I remember the first time I ever seen supplication. First time I ever saw dua, really, was the day that I had seen my grandmother collapse in our house. I was about 10 years old. My grandmother was sick. I always had knowledge that she wasn't well, but you know, as a nine-year-old, you just think, okay, she's going to get better. It's probably just a light cold. I'm sure my parents didn't know how to explain cancer to me at that age. And I only knew the severity of how sick my grandmother was when she had collapsed. I saw my mom run. I saw my dad run. I saw my grandmother unconscious before me. First time I ever really seen somebody unconscious like that. I mean, that's probably the first time I've ever seen panic, really. And I just remember feeling numb. I remember thinking, did she just die? What does that mean? What am I supposed to do? It really shook me to my core. I'm really downplaying it, but it really, it's such a core memory. It's like, it's, it's like tattooed in my brain. And that night, my grandmother, you know, she is put on a gurney. She goes to the ambulance. My mother goes with her. I'm left behind my dad. My dad, you know, tries to comfort me. He says, don't worry. It's going to be okay. You know, I'm not like completely in tears, but I want to cry because I don't know what's going on. And obviously that's my best friend. You know, like that's my grandmother, but she was really my closest friend. And I just, I just didn't know what was going on. And I remember the night, that night she was discharged. She came home. I also shared a room with her. My room was in her room. So basically, my grandmother had the, the master bedroom, and my parents had the second bedroom. And in the master bedroom, there was a den in my grandmother's room. So I lived in her den, right? And when you think about it, it's like the perfect setup for someone who's taking care of somebody. And so when I went to sleep that night, I saw my grandmother. I gave her a big hug. She took a shower. She you know, came to bed. She seemed really exhausted. I slept in my den, but I, I had this kind of like, oh, just watch after a yayo type of mentality. So every now and then I would wake up and just look at her <laughs> just to make sure she was breathing because I was really shocked. And I was just realizing that I could lose someone I cared about very deeply. And I didn't know, I didn't know what to do, but take care of her. I was like, okay, if I know what's going on, I can save her from death. Like that's what, that was my train of thought at the time. I was, I was nine years old. You know, um, and so I just remember like having this watchful eye of her and wanting to just like I, I felt like it was on me to take care of her. Like I felt like if today a year passes away, it's because I didn't watch her. 
I'd, 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 you know, wake up. I don't know how I was waking up, to be honest. I'd wake up and look at her and then go to sleep. I don't think I even slept properly that night, to be honest. But I remember there was a time I woke up. I want to say it was the last third of the night. It wasn't Fejin and it wasn't obviously Isha. And I look, I, I moved the recovers from my face and I look up to check on Ageo just to look at her. I just, I didn't completely get out of my bed. I just peeped to the side. And I see my grandmother stood up. She's sitting up on her bed. The bathroom light is on. And the light, the way that it's hitting her, she's like a shadow. So her body is like a shadow-like. And I can see her raising her hands. And she's bringing it close to her. Not too close to her stomach, not too close to her face. But it looked odd enough where I was like, what is she doing? She looks up and I can hear her whispering. Like, you know, like she's saying something. I can't hear what she's saying. But I see her like swaying back and forth. She looks like she might be in pain. She might not. I can't tell. But it, it felt like I was intruding on a very personal and private moment. I felt it. Even though I didn't even understand what was going on, you could feel I could feel it in the room that what I was witnessing was something very private. But between who I did not know. At that age, I did, didn't fully understand it. But that was the first time that I ever had seen Dua. It was the first time I've ever seen a person supplicate. So the first time I ever made Dua, I want to say, obviously, like I had told the story in the episode of The Wallflower was when I asked Allah Sata to guide me, right? I want to say that was the first Dua, but that doesn't make sense. I know there's a Dua before it. I just don't have any memory of it. But what I do remember is that somehow, some way, my du'as and supplication, and if it gets answered, if it doesn't, it's tied to my self-worth. So if I don't feel like a good Muslim, or I'm not been doing well, then I don't think, I don't believe Allah will accept my du'as, and I feel like Allah shouldn't hear from me. I know it sounds bizarre, and I don't believe those things, but it feels like that. So if I'm having like a terrible week and I think I'm being a terrible Muslim, you'll find out in that report that I haven't made dua much of that week. Now, I don't know what happened. I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it a buck and a five. Okay. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I had learned, what I picked up, who said something to me, what did I internalize? But I don't remember when I had learned that I needed to be a good Muslim for Allah to answer my dua. Because when I think about it, I mean, the first dua Allah accepted me, I was shaking it, bruh. Like, I was shaking in my boots. I wasn't, I was down bad. I don't, I think I was learning my religion really rapidly and I wasn't understanding my religion. I wasn't understanding it because I wasn't understanding what dua does for me. I wasn't understanding Allah the way that he wants to be understood. I was as I was understanding this deen the way that I was understanding it, period. And so you can imagine, I was this Muslim who's just started to practice their faith, they're learning about Allah, but I wasn't supplicating. I wasn't making dua. It wasn't something I was actively doing. It wasn't something I was at least consciously doing, right? Because it wasn't something I was putting my heart in it. I felt like that would be that would be blasphemy. Like I, I thought I was even a, a terrible person asking Allah in my condition. Like how dare you, Allah? Ask Allah anything 
with your condition. So now it's been 10 years since that time. Okay. And I'm sure, and I'm not saying that Allah has never accepted my dua, subhanAllah, or has responded to me. Allah has responded to me plenty. Right. And I know he has, even if I couldn't remember, but let me tell you 10 years later, (laughs) 10 years later to the same year that I finally understood what it meant when Allah says he responds to those who supplicate to him. Like I fully understood it in a way that I never have before. And it started this year. It started actually last Ramadan. So last Ramadan, okay, guys, we're talking about Ramadan 2022, okay? Some people said it was their best Ramadan. Some people, you know, you know, said it was a regular. For me, it was a life-changing, okay? I had come into Ramadan a, a little, little, I can't even see a little because I'm not going to gaslight myself. I came into Ramadan hella burnt out. When I tell you burnt out, I'm not talking about like a regular burnt out. Like I was burnt toast, burnt lasagna. Burnt bottom of the, of the, of the, in Somali we say Dixie, what do you say Dixie? Wow, am I losing my English? Pot, a burnt pot. Like I was, I was that kind of burnt out that you can't really fix it. It's, it's stained. And I'm, I was burnt out for multiple reasons, but you know, developing season one and season two really took a lot out of me. I'm going to keep it a buck. I know you guys saw all the great highlights and the laughters and the great moments, but behind the scenes, you know, doing a podcast, developing a podcast Working as a team was really hard, especially on me. Mentally, it took a lot. And from the first season to the second season, I took zero breaks. I took zero breaks. And if you know anything about developing a podcast, that's insanity. And so when I was coming to Ramadan, I had this mindset of, okay, I'm going to, you know, do my responsibility because obviously we had episodes coming out that month as well. Um, But I'm also going to, Really lay it on the table for, I'm just going to lay it on the table with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you girl ain't in a good place. I'm not in a good place. You know, I'm keeping up a brave face. But I know Allah knows who I am. And he knows how I feel. So I'm just going to, I'm going to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about this. That was my mindset. But before I went into that, a friend had told me about um, a YouTube episode called, um, I think it was called The Importance of Dua. If it's called that, I don't know. I could be wrong. But it was a a YouTube video by Muhammad Al-Sharif. Allah May Allah subhanahu wa to the highest love of Jannah. Allah ma'ameen. I feel although although he has passed away in so many ways, I feel like he's still with us because we all still talk about his work and the things that he said and the things that he's done. It's truly incredible. But I mean, that's what it means when you do something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It just never dies. There was a video with Muhammad Al-Sharif where he talked about he was helping a couple who had infertility issues. And the couple was trying to get pregnant for many, many years. They had taken his visionary course to re-inspire them. At this point, they've kind of like given up hope. And when they were done his course, and 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 obviously in his course, he talks about the power of dua and the importance of it and how to do it. They felt really inspired. A few months later, they came back to him and they said, hey, like, you know, nothing has really changed. At this point, we're just saying, you know, maybe it's not written for us. Like, you know, maybe we should just let it go. Maybe kids are not in our future in this way. And Shilk says um, to the brother, he says, can you come with me to the, can you meet me at the mall? Right? And he's like, okay, I'll go to, (laughs) I'll meet you in the mall, okay? So he meets him at the mall and he says, can you meet me at the baby store? So he's like, okay. He meets him in the baby store. 
And when he goes into the baby store, he sees Sheikh Mohammed Sharif and he tells him, I want you to pick out a boy clothes and a girl clothes for a baby. And he's like, but I don't have a baby. Why would I do this? He said, trust me, either I'll pay for it, but I think it's best that you pay for it. And so he says, okay, inshallah, I will pay for it. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to pick out a boy clothes. I'm going to pick up a girl clothes. And then we're going to go to cash. He goes to the cash. He pays for it. And he tells, he tells uh, the brother, Shukh tells the brother, listen, part of the wajibat of making dua, part of the thing that's necessary is to have yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted your dua. So this is you buying a boy clothes and a girl clothes because you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to accept your dua. Right? You have yaqeen that he's accepted so much so you bought the clothes and now you're taking it home. He's like, I want you to remember that. And so he's like, okay. <laughs> I can only imagine how confused the brother was at that point. But he goes home to his wife and he says, I, he told me to buy this because we need to have yaqeen. And he's like, okay, sure. You know, like, that's a good reminder to have yaqeen when making dua, when supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Six months later, they were pregnant, not only with a child, but with twins that's both a boy and a girl. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And that was just an earring reminder how important yaqeen is when supplicating to Allah SWT. And so I'm listening to the story and I'm like, wow, that is the most inspiring story I've ever heard. Perfect reminder before Ramadan. You know what? I'm going to jot down. Okay? That's what I told myself. I got my pen. I took my pen. I took my book. I was like, you know what? You know what? I'm going to write down my du'as because I know Allah SWT accepted my du'as. I just don't remember them. So this Ramadan, I'm going to set my du'as in categories. I'm going to have du'as about forgiveness, du'as about my akhra, and I'm going to have three du'as that are dunya related. Maybe be dunya or akhra related, but something I will see in this life. I'm going to have them. I'm going to make them very short so I remember them and I'm going to write them down. I'm not going to share you all of them because I only made three, but I'll share the first one that I had made. And the dua went like this. Oh Allah, bestow me the honor, me the honor, as their eldest daughter to take my parents to Umrah. Give me that honor to take them to Umrah. Now, I really want to like tell you guys that I already struggle with supplicating, right? Because I tie it to my self-worth as a Muslim. But I also struggle with making dua for things that feel impossible. Because I'm a, I don't know, some people might call me a pessimist <laughs> or a realist, but I like to think of, I'm just tragically realistic, right? Like I know what's in my bank account respectfully, <laughs> I know what's in my bank account, respectfully. I am in no position to pay for me, my mom, and dad's umrah. I know. I don't know how that's going to change this year. Right? But this moment, I decided to ignore my doubts, to ignore my realism, right? And to submit to Allah SWT and say, you know what? I'm going to ask Allah something no matter how impossible it may seem, no matter how delusional I may feel alone in my bedroom, 
I'm still going to make it. And let me tell you, I was cringing the whole time. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just, I think for me, it was like, I really wanted to take my parents to Ramada. And I'll be real with you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it hundred percent with you guys. I wanted to take my parents there because I knew that would soothe them with whatever they're being tested with, right? I wanted to help my parents. I wanted them to find peace and solace with everything that life has given them. I wanted to be a child that was righteous enough to take them. I wanted to earn my parents' dua. I wanted to earn my parents' love. I wanted this for them. They've done so much for me. They sacrificed so much for me, as, as I'm sure all of our parents, as much, as much as all of us feel that way. But in more particular, like, so much life has changed. I've pivoted so many times. <laughs> May Allah Sata reward my parents for just letting me rock. I had started a podcast with a friend. I had started a platform, a business, and starting that journey right off a, right after university. It, it meant that I wouldn't be able to support my parents the way that I would have hoped, that I'm sure they would have dreamed of because I was doing life a little bit differently and I was pivoting. And I felt really guilty for it. I'm going to be real. I felt really guilty for it. You know, it's just easy to just, you know, join a corporate job and just start getting that income and, and just really helping your parents in the way they want to. But I felt like I was being called to do something special, but I also recognized it was the difficult way at the same time, that I would be giving up a lot to do it. Obviously, I consulted my parents, and my parents are just the most incredible group of people, or the group of people with the most incredible people in the world. <sighs> they understood what that meant, starting a business, and meant that I had to pour all my resources and finances into these projects leaving us with really just not much. And with all of that, I just wanted to give my parents something. I wanted them to feel like I see them and that I love them and I want to give them the world. If I could give it to them tomorrow, I would. And so I asked Allah, I was like, oh Allah, please, can you let me take them to Umrah? Let it be, let, honor me to take them honor me let me be let me have it on my scale like let me be able to take them you know I want them to know that I'm I'm thinking of them and all of their sacrificing for me it's not going to go into vain it won't go into vain just let me take them and it was a hard dua to make but I made it and I wrote it down I wrote it down and so you know I spent the entire Ramadan just in the zone, you know, doing all the good I can do and making that dua over and over and over again and, you know, really feeling it and really being focused on it and having hope in it. No matter how hard it felt to ask, I asked. I asked over and over and over again. And, you know, when you ask something like that, and it just, it, it just, it gets harder to even ask for more and more and more but I don't know what pushed me to continue to ask and I never gave up on it I never gave up on it and then beautiful month of Ramadan ended left as quickly as it came 
And so Eid came, you know, I celebrated my family. And then I went back to business. I went back to life. I went back to working on TDS. Um, I just put it behind me. And I remember like just thinking, oh, you know, you know, like sometimes you just, I, I wrote these duas down, but I really just didn't give it any thought after that. I just kept going. I had so many deadlines I needed to meet that I just never really thought about it again. Until one day, I was at the masjid, my favorite masjid, Qalbi Walid Masjid. I was in the boardroom with a few of my friends and TDS team members. We were packing up Vibe Check. We needed a place to package and like, you know, uh, put things together. And it was so cute because I was also vlogging the experience because it looked like a Shein factory in there. It was actually so funny. I had the vlog camera, I was recording it. And it was just so cute because everybody's making dua for those who bought the products. I was like, oh, this is so wholesome. So I was recording it and I didn't realize that I didn't stop recording. An Upti named Upti Muhammad Adhan, he is one of the directors of the masjid. He comes into the door, poof, opens the door, comes in, says, Assalamu alaikum Hello, everybody. I just want to let you guys know that the Umrah group for the January 1st group is available and open to join. The list is uh, here. It's going to go by fast. I thought I'd ask you guys, since you guys are already in the masjid, would you guys like to take any slots? And I'm like looking at him and I'm like, slots? I barely have $2 in my account currently. Um, and I just looked at him and I just, like I always do, I'm like, yeah, that I wish, I wish I could go, you know? And like, and I remember that he was asking all of us, there was a few of us who were like, yeah, you know, we, we don't, we, you know, inshallah. I don't know about signing up today, but you know, I'll see, you know, we're all just mentally checking our, our, our bank accounts and saying that's literally impossible. And I just was watching him as he's talking to a few of us and my friend Sophia nudges me and she says to me, Adar, I say, yeah. She's like, haven't you been making dua for this? That you would go to Umrah and take your parents? I say, yeah. So why don't you take it? Why don't you sign up? And I was like, Sophia, I don't have money. <laughs> All my money went to TDS. I don't have money to do that. You know? And she's like, but you made dua, didn't you? I said, I did. So have yaqeen. Have certainty. I'm like, okay, what does that mean, Sophia? She's like, what do you have? She's like, Adar, if you have just $5, give $5. I was like, no, Sophia, Upti's going to think we're weird. I can't give him $5. I don't even know where the rest is going to come from. She goes, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to have trust and to believe that Allah SWT accepted your dua. So give $5. I'm looking at Sophia like she's crazy. I was like, she's trying to embarrass me in front of this event. This uncle, she's trying to embarrass me today. If I go in the office and say, Upti, I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for a slot, but I'm, I'm going to... You know, give you $5 for, you know, down payment, but I'll, I'll give you the rest 10K, you know, because that's what's missing. You know, I just thought it was just impossible. I just thought it was insane. But she's like, listen, just trust me. Give $5. And so I was like, you know what? What's the worst that it can happen? What's the worst that Upti, you know, gives back my $5? When I had that thought, I literally thought, okay, yeah, that's actually so embarrassing. Imagine up to saying, oh, where's the remaining down payment? I can't, okay, here's your $5 back. I would literally want to delete my whole life and go to a dark abyss because that is so embarrassing. 
<laughs> so embarrassing. And then I just thought, you know what? I'm gonna just, it's just one uncomfortable. Like, it's just one uncomfortable moment. Like, it's not that serious. At least you can say that you did your part. You did your side. You know, just just do it. It's just, I don't know what got on to you guys. If I'm keeping a buck and a five, I don't know what came over me that day. Because I'm usually very rational. But I got up. I got up, went to his office, signed both my parents in high, and I paid literally $5. And mashallah, there was very kind. He just said, yeah, you know, I said, I'm just giving this so you know that I'm, I'm, I'm making some attempt. Inshallah, if I don't meet those deadlines, I'm sorry. I guess, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but I'm going to try. I think other saw in me that he, you know, like I had the sincere want to go. And I remember like walking back into the room, sitting at the same chair I had left and the camera was still rolling. And so I say to the camera, So basically, uh, funny story, as we're packaging vibe check um, at the Masjid al we all decided that we're all going to go to Umrah. So one of the um, people that plan Umrah here at KBW, is making a list and we were all here together and we're like, you know what, subhanAllah, although we don't have the money. <laughs> um, I've always heard am uh, amazing stories where people never had the money to go to Umrah, but they made the attention and somehow miraculously Allah got them there. So we're taking that mentality and we don't have a dollar to our name, but we're signing up to go to Umrah this January. They don't have a dollar. <laughs> Not a dollar to spend for Umrah. So point is, is that we signed up for the list to go to Umrah in January 2023. January 2nd, or January 1st, 2023. And I'll pass in front of the Kaaba. Yes. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah, no, I packed up my laptop when it was time to go home, and I walked down the hallway at KBW Masjid on the second floor, and I went downstairs, and I, and I had, as I was walking, like the reality of it not working out started to hit me, and instantly I started to regret it. I was like, why did I do this? Why did I sign up? I thought, if it doesn't work out, you're going to have to get that $5 back. That's so embarrassing. Like, you're just going to be disappointed. You're going to have to deal with that feeling that... You know, that I wasn't accepted. You're going to have to just do all that mental work to come back. And I was uh, walking down the hallway for the first time, a hallway that seemed very, like, very short. <laughs> it was very long. And I was fighting tears. I was fighting myself from crying. I didn't want anybody to see me, you know, having these tears of regret. And I walked down the stairs, and I turned right, and I see the aunties around the shoes area where we take off our shoes in the masjid. And then I look up and they see that my eyes are all glossy. And you already know, once somebody asks you that one question that you don't want anybody to ask you when you're just about to implode. And when they ask you, it's like, that's it. That's where all the waterworks comes out. I remember one of the aunties, may Allah start to bless them, I love them. They're like, like, they're like my mothers. They looked at me and they said, Adar, what's wrong? And I stood, as soon as she said that, I just started to cry profusely. 
And she's like, and they all started to crowd around me. And they're like, Habri, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Did something happen to you? And I just, I couldn't even get myself to say if I just said, Habri, I just signed up for Umrah. That's all I said. I said, I'm out for my parents and I, and I don't know how I'm going to get there. And they just, they just, they started to hug me. They're like, Habri, it's okay. You know, Habri, you know, they're telling you, they're trying to provide me words of comfort, but they're telling me like, you know, it's your, you trying to do this is, is so beautiful and you should be proud of yourself that you want this for your parents. I was like, I want it, but I'm just, I'm going to disappoint them. And one Habrir, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her. She looks at me and she says, Habrir, I went to Umrah with seven of my children. And when we signed up, we had no way to go. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened so many doors for seven of us to go. If Allah can do that for me, he could do a lot more for you. Have trust. Have yaqeen. And I just, I'm just realizing, you know, everyone's telling me have trust, have trust, have trust. Other, just have trust. Just believe. For once in your life, don't think about the ramifications. Don't look, think about the consequences. Don't look too far in the future. Leave that to Allah. Just leave it to Him. Just leave it. Just submit. Don't control every factor. Just leave it. And just be hopeful. That's enough. So a few weeks pass. Life goes on. We're doing what we need to do. And I see an email. I get an email from a woman named Angie. And I recognized her name. I was like, oh, I know. I recognize this email. And this person had emailed me once before. When I had started, just started the digital sisterhood, just before the podcast, TDS was a platform. I had done the ebook, like, you know, and so I was trying to pursue creative work. And Angie had this uh, program um, with the foundation that she worked at that I had applied for and got a really sad rejection. Okay. Like I had gotten like a really bad rejection. I remember the rejection like, like yesterday because when I had gotten that rejection after submitting this really long application and submitting my work and really being hopeful that I would get it, hoping to, you know, get TDS on his feet, that rejection was kind of like a knife that hit me in the heart. And I remember thinking, yo, maybe I can't do this. <laughs> maybe I should give it up. Maybe I should get up TDS. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe this is not for me, fam. Like, what am I, what am I doing in my life? Like, maybe I should just stop dreaming. And so I remember that rejection because my friend, Hanan, who also works with me on TDS, had to remind me, hey, listen, sometimes... A rejection is just a redirection. It doesn't mean that you're not talented. It doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean anything. So don't see rejections that way. And I remember her telling me that, okay? Now I'm getting an email from the same lady basically a year and a half a half later, a year and a half later. And she says to me, hey, I want to continue for a really incredible opportunity to collaborate in a cohort with other Muslims in Canada who are changing the narrative and landscape of Muslims um, in media. And she said, in, in this uh, cohort, you'll be paid $4,500 for coming once a week. I literally said, what? What? <laughs> what? Excuse me? No. No. First of all, one, number two, I can't believe, you know, the same person that rejected me 
is now coming back around to provide me something else. SubhanAllah, that gave me chills, you know? It's like, it was like Allah telling me from the same door that I, re- that I closed in front of you is the same door I'm going to open for you with another opportunity. Who else can do that but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself? To me, that was a reminder. Like that was like a stark, like a stark, like signal. Like it was a sign. Allah is telling me, oh, Adar, the same door I rejected you from, it's the same door I'm going to open something else for you. That's me. And I remember that email, Sophia also saw it. She calls me and she says, Adar. I'm like, yeah, Adar, I think Allah accepted your dua. I think Allah, I think Allah accepted your dua. Get ready. I think that's what's happening. So I hang up the phone. I'm like buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. I'm like, oh my God, did Allah, is Allah really opening doors for me? Is that what's happening in front of me? Is, is everything unfolding? Am I witnessing a miracle, subhanAllah? Here I have 4,500 from a cohort, okay? I have a $5 down payment. <laughs> okay, now I just got to make up the rest, right? I just got the left, I just got not much to go. But at the same time, it's still a huge chunk because I got to give up to $10,000. Like, I, I still got a, lo- a long way to go. How am I going to do this? And Sophia's like, don't worry. You know, like, when I was talking to her about this, she's like, don't worry. Allah is going to open doors. He opened one door. He's going to open many. Get ready for it. Wallahi, ubalatallahi. One month later, I got a gig with Hannah Hijabs. Shout out to Hilal. Hilal Ibrahim. She's the CEO of Hannah Hijabs. She had reached out to me to host um, her opening of her scarves in Nordstrom, okay? And she had paid me. I've never seen a payment like that for a host before, but she had paid me. And I'm being really honest about the money because I want you to see, I want you, I want you guys to know what exactly happened. Hilal paid me $2,500 to, ho- to host her event. When I tell you, my eyes could not believe it. I was like, what is, and I'm just, and I just, you know, I'm just shocked. And Sylvia is just like looking at me like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I don't want to believe it, but I'm believing it. I'm just on cloud nine because doors are opening one after another, after another, after another. I haven't even, I haven't even allowed myself to dream of seeing my parents and I in front of the Kaaba. But here I am seeing that reality come to life. I do the gig. I get the 2,500. I literally get the check. I cash it. I take the exact amount. I run to the masjid, okay? I'm running for my life. I run to the masjid. And I go to Afti Muhammad the director of the masjid who's leading Umrah. And I give him exactly that money. He looks at me, he goes, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure he thought I was like, moving funny a little bit because I'm just bringing big chunks of money at this point and I'm just handing it to him and I'm like up to here this is for Umrah he's like great takes the money puts it in my deposit he's like okay inshallah you got still a lot more to go but you know you're getting there so alhamdulillah but what's remaining is about seven eight nine four thousand dollars and I remember I was talking I was brainstorming with Sophia I was like oh my god Sophia I still have to (laughs) figure out how I'm gonna do this she's like how about you just do some meet and greets. So many people are emailing you to want to see you 
and have you speak at these events, why don't you just take a few of them, whatever they offer you, take it. If they, if they give you 200, if they give you 100, just take it and see what this summer does. I'll book you as many as you're invited to, whatever they offer you in compensation. And if it's exactly my alhamdulillah, if not, then we'll figure it out. Just try it out. I started to go to these events. I started to book. And it's crazy because as I was going to these events, I never gave them like a rigid price. I didn't say exactly 200. I didn't say exactly 500. Um, I let people kind of decide which area, what budget they have. And by the end of the summer, when I did all of the meet and greets and the little mini tour I had last summer, I had the remaining amount for Umrah. I had the exact remaining amount. Not a dollar more, not a dollar less, but the exact remaining amount. When I went to Upti and I said to him, Upti, I have everything. He was just so proud of me. I still have the text message. So Upti, I have it. I sent it to you. He said, you did it. And I just, as soon as I got that text message, it's like it hit me. What was a, what, what happened? On August 27, I paid my parents Umrah in full. Me, my mom, and my dad. Full. I started to cry. Allah accepted my dua. Even though I saw it to be impossible, Allah made it possible. I know it sounds like, oh, you know, this is, is this another Umrah story? But to me, this is the first time I understood who Allah was in his totality. And I understood where I went wrong all these years. You know, there's so many parts of I just cannot express. But all of this is out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He showed me. He responded to me as he promised he would. I felt like I was on top of the world. Oh my God, alhamdulillah. I, I was just so excited. Our first destination was Medina. Like the first time, like going to the Prophet's Masjid, it was super late at night. We went there around like 11 p.m. We could not wait. We dropped our bags. We went there and it was so surreal. It was so surreal. I, I don't have the words to describe it. I had seen the Prophet's Masjid, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, at night while it was raining. And I remember just the water splashing and all of us like just, you know, running in and puddles everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. It was just something out of a movie, you guys. I don't even know what to tell you. Like, 
we just I just looked up while I was raining and I let it hit my face and I was like, oh Allah, you just you invited us here, Subhanallah, you 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 accepted our du'as, you brought us here, you responded to us, and here we are at the Prophet's Masjid, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, with my parents. It's a moment I will never forget, never ever in my entire life will I ever forget that. But the second incredible moment I had in Medina, okay, was a few days after was the day that we had booked to go to the Roda. Now, let me tell you guys, the Roda was an experience, was an experience. The Garden of Paradise, the area where the Prophet used to pray, where he is next to, bro, it was a full-on action film in there. I won't talk too much about what was going on and what was transpiring in there. But subhanAllah, people like have mentally prepared for me to go in there. I was very nervous because I was taking my mom. And I that meant that I had to you know protect her and anybody else's parents that were there. So we were very nervous. I remember the night that we were going there. We had heard that many people didn't get in. Um, that people had a hard time getting into the Roda. That people didn't end up praying. It just was... It looked like we were just... If you got in, you got in, fam. Like, it was, like, one of those things, like, I felt like we had to pray about it. And I remember the night we all had gone to those, a few of us went together with our parents. We went in there. We were, you know, we had to walk. And it was a long walk, I remember. We were walking. It was me. It was Hilal, Qatar's mother, my friend's mother, and her daughter, and uh, my friend Samir. It was a bunch of us, like, a few of us who had booked booked the slot to go, to go pray in the Roda. And... At the time when we were going, Hilal, my friend, did not have the thing to admit her into the Roda that you had to do on this app. She didn't have, all the slots had been full and she was going to just come with us and see if she could ask to go in, which when you, when you hear about it, we're like, it's a long shot. So I remember before we were, before we had like decided to walk, we decided to get Zemzem water. And as we're walking, bro, we're drinking Zemzem water and we're literally making dry. Oh Allah, please let us enter. Oh Allah, you said the Zamzam is whatever, you know, like what, the, like at the end of the day, the Zamzam is whatever you want it to be, right? We're like, oh Allah, please accept our supplication. Allow us to enter the Roda. Allow every single one of us to make it inside and pray in the Roda with no issues. And I remember we're walking there and we're all just nervous, like, yo, are we going to get in? Or are we not? Like, this is going to really make us sad, you know, <laughs> like. It's just like, who knows if we're ever going to come back here? Only Allah knows. And it just was like one of those moments of like, this has to happen. So we get in the line. The line is so huge. So many people try to get in. And at the front, you can see that a lot of people are being denied entry. Man, at this point, our hearts are just going, da-dum, 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 da-dum. will we get in, will we not? It was just so stressful. Then we they got to us. My mom and I had our scan things, the thing that scanned for us to get in. I don't know how to call it. Maybe it's called a ticket. But our ticket wasn't, it wasn't online. It was a ticket that we screenshotted. And the woman who was letting people in denied us until Halal came in and said, started to speak to her in Arabic saying, listen, this is their last day. Like, you know, they have it. I, I promised her, like, you know, they're from Canada. She really tried to plead with her. And, um, and after talking to her for a minute, they let us go. Then they asked Halal for hers, and she said she didn't have it. She said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't have to deny you entry. And so it was a really sad moment, you guys. I don't have to be dramatic, but it was really sad going into 
the roll the door and seeing my friend being denied entry and and I remember I was like oh like I didn't want to go in because Hilal to get in but she was like no you have to get in you have to go of of Allah doesn't and I remember her saying to me if Allah did not invite me in it's okay like you know I've been there before it's okay you gotta go you have to go this is your first time and my mom was like my mom says to her in reply oh we'll make dua for you so I go into gate 33 there's another lineup but this side of the masjid you can tell looks different it doesn't look like the other spaces I had been in it was decorated differently which really makes sense because this is where the road is located. This is also where the Prophet ﷺ is located. This is where his companions Abu Bakr anhu and Umar ibn Qutab is also located. Who's also located there. So you can tell by the ceiling and the architecture that this was a special place. So we go in, there's a lineup, we're still drinking Zamzam. I'm making dua, I'm always making dua. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this place going to look like? I heard it's chaos. I heard people start running. Like, I was just imagining, like, what this is about to be. But when we finally got to the front and we got to the masala, okay? And now, I've, Hilah has already given me the lowdown. She said the roda is on, is is between the member and the Prophet wasallam, the golden gates. Between between that member and that, and, and the gates there, that is where the, the Garden of Paradise is. That's where the Roda is. Pray there. Everywhere else is not the Roda. The Roda is not bigger than two rows. She told me, she's like, be focused. Look at the member, look for it, locate it, look at the gate right in front of it. Between that, that's the Roda. So I'm going in there with my Spectre gadget. I'm like, oh, I know the Roda, you know, like I, I know exactly what it's going to be. And so when I went into the Masala, the carpet is different. Even the color of the carpet is different. Everything is green. I, I, I see like everyone is like, it's packed in there. When I tell you, even the back of the of that musalla is packed. Everywhere, everyone, everyone's being prayed. And there's an area where everyone is, you know, um, giving their signs to the Prophet And I could tell right away that is where he's at because that's where all the people are congested. And then I look up to the right and I see a member. I'm like, got it. I got the member. And I saw the golden gates. And I was like, okay, perfect, it's right here. So I tell my mom, okay, Hoya, we have to go here. And I'm like, we're just like walking through people and I'm, I'm holding on to her. I'm like, Hoya, this is the place, this is the place. And then we get to this like pillar area that you, it's between the member and the golden gates. And I tell my mom, this is where you need to pray. So she prays there. I pray there. And man, I just start bawling my eyes out because I could not believe I had made it inside and I'm praying in the Roda. My mother, I remember I was praying when I was done. I looked at my mom, my mom was sobbing. I've never seen my mother cry like that in my entire life. And she just looks at me endearingly and I look at her and I'm like, it's just like we're in just complete disbelief. And we we, we get up together, we go to the Prophet we give him our salams and it's just everything I've ever imagined. I'm holding my mother hand in hand. And we're giving salams to the Prophet to Abu Bakr, to Umar, radiallahu anhu. We're, we're, we're giving our salams to him, to them. And it just feels unreal. It feels unreal. Wallahi, it feels unreal. I just, I thought I was like, am I dreaming? And all I could say in that moment was, alhamdulillah. 
Allah deserves all praise. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's all you could say. You're just grateful. I made my supplications. My mother made her supplications. We were honored. It just, it was the best moment of my entire existence. Wallahi, thumu wallahi. I will never forget that moment. And when we were done, we didn't stay any long. We didn't want to take too much time. We wanted somebody else to have the opportunity to pray. So we got up and we left. And when we left and the carpet ended, there's like this marble area where also you'll see a lot of wheelchairs. Um, and so my mom and I found chairs there and we just sat there and we watched people enter and exit the roda. And we're just sitting there together. And we're just talking and we're just saying alhamdulillah and i was recording a video saying alhamdulillah we made it to roda to send my to send to my mom's sisters and it was just the very first moment like i can ever like i it's such a core memory but it's just the best memory i have <laughs> was to see my mom and i just sit outside the roda and watch people and just say alhamdulillah being grateful we were just doing shukr wallahi when i think about it all we were doing was doing shukr genuine shukr and as we're sitting there, okay, guys, this is where the story gets very interesting, okay? As we were sitting there, and we were staring at the roda as people enter and exit, we see somebody emerge out of the people. Guess who it is? <laughs> Just guess. Who emerges from the people? It's Hilal. <laughs> Hilal emerges from the people. Okay, and I'm shocked. I'm like, hello? And she goes, yeah, man. I was like, how did you get it? How did you get it? I just started laughing hysterically. I said, wallah, how'd you get in here? My mom started saying, wallahi, Allah loves you. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you. You came in here again. How did you do it? She goes, I don't know, man. By the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I, I entered. And I, we just started dying of laughter because I was like, just what we thought, man. We thought she wouldn't get in, right? But, I mean, this is Hilal, man. <laughs> she, she's gonna, Allah SWT is going to open doors for her. What? How dare we even think otherwise? It was just such a pleasant surprise. And after I finished laughing, Hilal looks at me in my eyes and she just, she becomes stoic. And she looks at me like this and she says, Adar, I have a question. Can you point to me where you prayed? And I, you know, I was so, like, confident. I was like, oh, I know exactly where I prayed. I prayed where the road is. She said, point at it. I pointed at where we prayed, and she looked at me, and she said, that's not the roda. I said, no, you're lying, Hilal. She goes, let's go. And Hilal grabs me and my mother, okay? She goes, Yalla, let's go. We got to go. They're closing it up right now. I said, Hilal, we can't go. It's already taped. Because at that point, it was the end of the time. So the masala was being taped and, and uh, closed off. I said, Hilal, no, don't, other, just listen to me. Follow my lead. Hilal starts dashing, okay? Now, this was kind of crazy because she was running. I'm holding out to my mom. My mom, I've never seen my mom run before, to be honest. That was a shocker to myself. I was like, oh my God, you're like, my mom was running with me at, when she, you know, <laughs> when she realized we did not play in the rota. So we're running and we're running and like we get under the tape. We go past the people and like we get to the place where quote unquote is rota. And I put two and two together. That the member that I saw was the fake member. There's two members. There's a member that that was built way after, um, the um after the Prophet and the expansion of the masjid. Like there's a different member uh, made at a different time period, 
and I realized that the real member was on the other side. And if you looked over the the barrier, you can see the actual member. And when you look at it, you recognize, oh no, the road is on the left, right in front of the books. There's these, these um, you see these bookcases there, like you see kitabs, and then you see like a carpet that it's like a little corner area, that's a little dented in. That's little that it's so small. Okay, it's so small. I could not even believe my eyes that that was the roda in, on the uh, on the women's side. So Hilal goes, that's the roda, and in front of it is you see the women, like the custodians, the masjid, and there were women and they were guarding that area, and saying it's closed. And I'm like, oh, qad- I'm just saying, qadr Allah, ma'ashafala. You know, we tried, we tried, and we thought we did. It's, it's okay, Hilal. He goes, no. Hilal goes to the lady and she starts speaking to her in Arabic. She starts saying, please. Let them go. They're musafirs. They, you know, they came all this way to pray in the gardens. Please let them go. Please. And she's letting them, okay? And then the whole area is, is gated. There's there's only one or two women there that are just finishing up the salahs. They weren't allowing new people in. After a few sentences, a lot of talks, the woman allows me, my mother, to go in. Can you believe that? My mom and I and one, two other sisters from our group were let in to pray in the Roda by ourselves. We prayed in the Roda in complete sakina and tranquility without the noise, without the yelling, without the shoving, without anybody stepping on our heads, completely clear. My mom was an, at a hand length away from me. I was praying in my area. She was praying in hers. And nobody disturbed us. We prayed in the gardens of paradise for 15 minutes without any disturbance. I've never seen anything like I've never even heard anybody say they had that kind of opportunity. And when we we were done praying, and Wallahi Hilal prayed, because the Hilal told the lady, Oh, I won't pray, just let them pray. And the lady just ended up letting Hilal pray. May Allah start to reward that sister. Hilal ended up praying herself in the road as well. And when we were leaving, we made dua for her. We said, may Allah start to make you of those that see his face. Amin. She says, Amin. And we leave. Even still with the people begging them. Here we were praying. SubhanAllah. Sometimes they, sometimes they only let like, like kings pray like that. You know, like they let very special important people pray so free like that. And here we are, just a regular people from Canada praying like that in the Gardens of Paradise. It was just truly remarkable. I just have no words to describe it. As we were exiting uh, the gates, gate 33, and we felt the breeze like hit our faces. It's just calmness we felt. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I was in kind of disbelief disbelief of what just happened and I've never felt genuinely ever in my life satisfied the way that I was satisfied at that moment and we exit the masjid and nobody's talking everyone's just walking in silence just taking it all in and my mom stops us and she says wait and me and Hilal look at her like how many like you know Hilal says man yes like is there something that we can help you with? Like, is there something wrong? She goes, no, I need you to record me. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> I know what that means. 
And my mom goes, I have, I have something I want to say. I have verses of poetry in my head. I want you to record me reciting right now before it leaves me. I need this to be documented right now. So Hilal, you know, she loves Barambar. She's like, oh, what? Give me one second. Pulls out her phone, presses record, and my mom starts singing. We were just a couple of meters away from the gate. And my mom starts reciting her Barambar. <laughs> for those who don't understand Somali, I want to recite to you what she sang in English. My mother says, Allah allowed me to go to the Roda. Whoever records can only truly be healed. I wish for my daughter that she not only lives in peace, but never sees difficulty. And the man that marries her will be a man worthy and picked by Allah alone. That Allah blesses her with children named Roda and Rage sleeping next to her. Oh Allah, whatever I'm dreaming for her, please make it true. That moment, you know, like, it really, it really softened my heart, you know, to hear my mother say that. But nothing really took me for surprise until after that moment, she said to me, today I saw my mother's dua. And I was confused at first. I was like, what are you talking about? What dua? And my mother says to me, the day Ayaya Adar was passing away, I was fortunate enough to, to take care of her until her, her last day. And on her last day, I said to her, oh, Hoy, are you pleased? Like, Hoy, are you pleased with me? Did I take care of you the way that you deserved? And my mother said to me, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you a child who will take care of you the way that you take care of me. May Allah give you a child who thinks of you, who nurtures you, who shows you places, takes you places you couldn't take yourself. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you a righteous child. That was the first time I heard, I've ever heard that story. And that conversation between my mother and my grandmother was the first time I ever heard it. I had never heard that before. And here I was walking back to the hotel from the Prophet's Masjid with t literally fighting myself with tears rolling down my face. I was just, I didn't, I just, for the first time I had just realized that although I had made dua, 
that Allah SWT allows me and honors me to take my parents to Umrah. What I didn't realize that I was also potentially living in a dua from my grandmother, a person who is no longer here, who's passed away, that I was living in her dua. And today my mother was a witness to it. And it just, for the first time, it just dawned on me how many of us are living in du'as from other people. How do I now understand du'a? How do I now understand when Allah Taala responds? What does that mean? How does he respond? How I saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had changed forever. Never will I delay a supplication because I believe I'm not good enough. I'm good enough, period. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created me, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves me, and because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to hear from me. He wants to hear from his slave. And there's a bit of a bittersweet moment to this, because looking back now, I just wish I had known. If I knew how things were going to turn out now, today, I would have been more patient. Had I known, I would have done better. I would have, I would have believed. I would have been patient. So the theme is, if you haven't already guessed it, it's dua. The power of dua. This year I saw that power. It transformed my life. I understand it in a different way than I have ever understood it before. And this this year, this Ramadan, I want you guys to understand what dua means. I want you guys to do what I did in Ramadan 2022. I want you guys to write down your duas. I want you to have yaqeen. I want you to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I want you to think good of him as you wait for his response. I want you to ask Allah the impossible things, the things that you're afraid to ask. I want you to understand that you are worthy. I want you to understand that Allah wants to hear from you. Allah is waiting for you. Ask, call upon him, and know that you have always been worthy. You've always been worthy. This episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. I love to give a shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Munashir Umar. Thank you for this episode. You killed it, sis, as you usually do. Um, I want to give a shout out to Asima Fada for her incredible digital art and cover art for this episode and all the episodes to come. I'd love to give a shout out to our junior producers, Hoya and Nima Harun. Thank you, ladies. It's going to be a pleasant and ex- extraordinary time um, producing these episodes with you guys. Um, I'd also love to give a shout out to our marketing extraordinaire, Sos Abdullahi. Thank you for all that you do, sis. And yeah. I'll see you guys next week. Like I said, in your ears, in your speakers, telling you a good story. Assalamualaikum.